School was intended on this continent to be as it had been in northern Germany, a fifth column into the burgeoning libertarian condition where disenfranchised and oppressed groups were clamoring for some kind of seat at the bargaining table. School was to be a surgical incision into which the class-based management theories of England were to be inserted to interdict the liberty traditions. England's multi-layered social class is simply a modern-day representation of Julius Caesar's advice that when you're overwhelmed by the enemy, you divide them and conquer them that way by setting them against each other. The method was to be by infiltration into the minds of children out of sight of their parents. The well-read here won't be shocked. Theorists from Plato to Rousseau to Frederick of Prussia knew and taught explicitly that if children could be kept childish beyond its term in nature, if they could be cloistered in a society of children without any real responsibility except obedience, if their inner lives could be attenuated by removing the insights of history, literature, philosophy, economics, religion, if the imminence of death and the certainty of pain and loss can be removed from daily consciousness, if the profound reflections on one's own death could be replaced with the trivializing emotions of greed, envy, jealousy, and fear, young people would grow older, but they would never grow up, and a great enduring problem of supervision would be solved. For who can argue against the truth that childish and childlike people are far easier to manage than critically trained, self-reliant ones? And now you're ready to hear the six purposes of modern schooling taken directly from Dr. Inglis's book. The first function of schooling is adjustive. Schools are to establish fixed habits of reaction to authority. That's fixed habits of reaction. Notice that this precludes critical judgment completely. Notice, too, that requiring obedience to stupid orders is a much better test of function one than following sensible orders ever could be. You don't know whether people are reflexively obedient unless they'll march right off the cliff. Second is the diagnostic function. School is to determine each student's proper social role logging the evidence mathematically and anecdotally on cumulative records. You probably thought that, that the kid or the parents or neighbors or the region circumstances, no, the school is to determine your proper social role and they're to fix you in that role mathematically on their cumulative records. Next comes the sorting function. School sorts children by training individuals only so far as their likely destination in the social machine, not one step 
beyond. Keep in mind, you're not listening to John Gatto. You're listening to the man for whom the honor lecture in education at Harvard is named. The fourth function is conformity. As much as possible, kids are to be made alike. Whatever the background they come from, they're to be made alike. This is not done from any passion for egalitarian ideals, but so that their future behavior will be mathematically predictable in service to market research and government research. Next comes the hygienic function. This one's my favorite. This has nothing to do with individual health but it has a lot to do with the health of the race, at least as Inglis or Darwin or his first cousin Galton saw it. Hygiene is a polite way of saying that school is expected to accelerate natural selection by tagging the unfit so clearly. That's what all those little humiliations from first grade on. That's what all the posted list of ranked grades are about. So clearly that the unfit will drop from the reproduction sweepstakes, either in despair or because their likely mates will have accepted the school's judgment of them as terminally inferior. And last, last comes a fancy Latin word, the propiedutic function. That's a fancy word meaning that a small fraction of lucky kids will quietly be taught how to take over management of this continuing project. Guardians of a population deliberately dumbed down and rendered childlike in order that government and economic life can be managed with a minimum of hassle. It's that low-down, nitty-gritty, common purpose. Not Marx's grand warfare between classes and greedy uh, captains of industry. It's simply so that management will have a minimum of hassles. Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. One of the things that we do at The Loft is we have local seminars and workshops for people who are in our general area. And we started doing those in September of 2021. Um, We tend to do about one a month. And as we've done the first few of those, people have talked to us and said, hey, are you recording that? Are you taping that? Um, Because I don't live near you or I couldn't come. And we have not been taping those live. But we, of course, decided that we can talk about those very same topics here on the Loftcast. 
And so today we are going to talk about the first seminar that Jenny did, which was in October, um, called Letting Go of the System. And it is a humdinger of a talk. <laughs> and um, so I am going to let Jenny take it from there and, um, and then we'll dialogue later. It is absurd and anti-life to be part of a system that compels you to sit in confinement with people of exactly the same age and social class. That system effectively cuts you off from the immense diversity of life and the synergy of variety. Indeed, it cuts you off from your own past and future, sealing you in a continuous present much the same way television does. It is absurd and anti-life to move from cell to cell at the sound of a gong for every day of your natural youth in an institution that allows you no privacy and even follows you into the sanctuary of your home, demanding that you do its homework. Mm. Isn't that powerful, friends? Ooh, amen. <laughs> oh, goodness. That, that was uh, page 23 from this gem of a book written by John Taylor Gatto called Dumbing Us Down. Mm. He wrote three or four books, all of which, any of which are amazing, right? There's Weapons of Mass Instruction, Mm -hmm. The Underground History of American Education. I'm not sure if there's another one, but. Yeah. And we also will put in the notes a couple YouTube links to where you can hear him talk himself and kind of say what he feels is um, Jenny, who, education. who was, and I say this because he passed away a few years ago, yeah. who was John Taylor Gatto? Why were you reading from his book to start this talk? Out? He was a school teacher for 30 years. He resigned in the open pages of the Wall Street Journal upon receiving the New York State Teacher of the Year Award. He's been a fierce advocate for self-directed guerrilla education for mm-hmm. decades. And he's also, like you said, the author of those books, those, those two books for sure. And so he was a public school teacher for he, 30 years. And well-loved. Well-loved. He, 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 he didn't wanna, just lecture his students. No. He took them out on projects. But at a certain point, he realized the system that he was a part of. Yes. And he was a whistleblower. Mm-hmm. He and was. He wrote about it. He talked about it. He passionately told people to get their kids out of the system. You guys have got to click on the links that we have yes. when you're done listening because this is some life-changing stuff. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is. This. So you were reading his book and yeah. studying for this seminar. Mm-hmm. What, what did you come away with? Well, let's talk about some of the things. First of all, let's start with this. Tina <laughs> and you guys, what do you think of when, when we say the system, the school system, what are some things that come to mind when I say the school system, this, or the school system, that what comes to mind should i answer what i think now or what i used to think yeah what you used to think what i used to think was what everybody does mm-hmm. right that's just what you do the school system mm-hmm. the way to be successful that's what i used to think yeah i did too did you the school system mm-hmm. i never had really negative con- i mean i had negative connotations <laughs> to be sure because i was there in the system but i mean I would say as a young adult, after being out of the system, you know, was it, I didn't think it was nearly as corrupt. No. I thought some things that were in it were, 
you know, I I didn't like it, but I didn't think it was this big corruption thing. You know, I I became a public school teacher after going through the system. And there were things I didn't like about teacher training. There were things I didn't like about the rules in the schools where I was teaching. And I had this gut level reaction that I didn't want to send my children there. I didn't really know why. Okay. Because in teacher training, they don't tell you about the real goals of the system, Mm -hmm. which you're going to tell us about tonight. I only learned that after I had had my children and I had quit to raise them. And I started reading Gatto and I thought, this is it. This explains that gut feeling I had because he did the legwork and the research to let us know why it is we are uncomfortable if we are. Yeah. With the system. Well, here's here and why we should be. Exactly. And isn't it something? Because I will say, I mean, obviously, as a high schooler, I clearly just didn't want to be a part of the system. Not really just for the fact that I wanted to be doing other things. But here's the reality. I do remember sitting in my um, study hall. And it was in the cafeteria and, and I the table was right up against the window and it was a huge window. It was in the cafeteria. And I remember watching the gentleman across the street, always outside every day. He would be outside doing gardening or cutting the grass, whatever he was doing. He was always outside fixing his car, all the things. And I am no joke. I thought, well, I'm trapped. I'm literally trapped here for life. I have to sit here Why can't I ever go outside? And when you do go outside, it's only for that. I think it was like 45 minutes or something. Was that every day? Maybe every other day for Jim, right? Right. That wasn't, it was just like lunchtime when you could actually leave or something. But um, some of the things after having read this book and just really thinking about these things for my own self and, you know, probably so long as we've homeschooled our own kids, right? We've thought about this and yeah. These are some of the things that I didn't even necessarily get from this book that I've just thought of. And I'm sure you guys have thought of it, too. We've all thought of these. Mm-hmm. And if, if you haven't thought about it, welcome. Now's welcome your opportunity. To, <laughs> welcome to a new way of thinking. We are going to talk about let's begin. We have a motto here at the Homeschool Loft that when, when we talk about grades, <laughs> what is it, Tina? What do we say about grades? Grades are for meat, not children. That's right. And there are two kinds of grades, mm-hmm. right? So. What are those two kinds of grades that we're talking about? Well, first is grade level, right? Are you in first grade, eighth grade, whatever it might be? The other is the letter grades that children suffer on their report cards and suffer whether you get the A or the F, it's suffering. Yeah, it is suffering. Mm -hmm. And for some families, you know, I was talking to a mom today that was saying that for her, if she got anything lower than an A, Mm -hmm. it wasn't good. it's, It's either A or it's F. That was me. If yeah, I got an see, A minus, if I got an A minus, I felt like a failure. Mm. And my parents, unfortunately, my father made me feel as if I was a failure. Yeah. Nobody should have to carry that around. And what's an A? Yeah. But what I mean, is an A? I grew up thinking I was an absolute idiot. I mean, quite frankly, because here's the deal. I did not get good grades. I was pretty much like a C, D, F kind of a gal. And I took that personally and Mm -hmm. in my very being, I mean, I was grounded for it. I was literally, my parents grounded me and, um, I thought, and I would compare myself to other people all the time thinking, 
I just can't get it. Mm-hmm. I can't get an A. I can't do it. I can't get a B. I mean, obviously in, in choir, I got an A and certain <laughs> things that I loved. Imagine right. that, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I carried that throughout my life. And it wasn't until I became an adult, started studying the things that I loved, had passion for, and it came natural. Yep. I got straight A's. Yep. And that's because grades are for me, not for children, you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. The fact that we categorize children and rank and sort them. I mean, I know you're going to talk about that, but the ranking and sorting of children for some bureaucrats Mm. goals, Mm -hmm. not for Mm -hmm. their good. That's right. That's what school, that's why school does that. Do you know how damaging it is when, when a child goes through four years, I mean, well, they're going through 12 years, but you know, particularly those high school years Mm -hmm. and you're never measuring up. And unfortunately as the parent, not only is the school riding them, in the sense that, you know, you got the big fat F on your report card, but then you as the parent feel obligated to also punish your children because of it. And so not only are they hearing it from, from the school system, but they're also then hearing it at home and they get punished for it. And it's just, it's a bad thing all around. Yeah. Instead of saying as the parent, is there something wrong with this system? Yeah, exactly. No, it's always what's wrong with my child. Why do we do that? That's right. I know it's, Schedules, that equally ties into the schedules, right? Because let's talk about whose schedule are you following? And I would say, first of all, let's define schedules because there there are just like grades, there are different types of schedules. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we can be talking about the schedule of what the day looks like, Mm -hmm. what time we wake up so that we can quick scarf our breakfast down, hit the school bus, be to school, uh, what time we eat lunch, have a snack go to the bathroom, catch the bus to get back home, ride it for five hours till they get to your house, drop it off. Right. And then that and then schedule, your homework. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then do your homework and blah, blah, blah. And that, that kind of schedule. But there's also a equally as horrific schedule. That would be the schedule when one should know something. Mm-hmm. I wonder who makes that schedule when somebody should know something. So there, there is a schedule that you should know trigonometry, Tina. Mm. There's a schedule. Have you measured up to that schedule? Personally, I haven't since <laughs> I was only in. <laughs> I mean, I took the class, but I had a very gracious math teacher who gave me an A, even though I hadn't earned it. I didn't really know what I was doing. So you met the schedule by the tail of your. I met the schedule. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I learned any mm-hmm. of it. Right. And I would have been better off doing something else during that time. Yeah. But I was, I was a rule follower. Um, not anymore. I follow the logical rules, <laughs> but yeah. I, I just went along, you know, so I was that good girl who went along much to my detriment. I mean, it wasn't a good thing, but yeah. it was so, and that whole schedule thing, think about this. When you and I were growing up, you didn't have to read when you were five years old, right? Right. You didn't even have to be a fluent reader when you were six. Mm-hmm. The whole point was that's about the time that you started at age five or six, kindergarten, first grade. Right. right. And To this day, in Amish schools, they don't even start school until they're six or seven, right? In Singapore, I don't think they go to formal school till they're seven or eight. But here in America right now, we tell children who are five years old, just starting kindergarten, that they're failures if they can't read. That's right. Why? Kids' brains have not changed Or go before that, potty training. There's that too. Can you actually, is it any human's ability to determine when one's bladder should be ready to be fully at... The tilt that God created it to be? I don't think so. No. Right? So right. And we kind of understand that. I mean, most parents seem to understand that. Some are 
like, okay, my kid's two and a half. They have to be potty trained, which is But it's a, a, it's a fear when right. the parents are comparing. Exactly. Right. You know? But most parents yeah. seem to get that, right? Yeah. They might feel slightly embarrassed that their four-year-old still can't hold his, sure. his bowels or whatever. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, why do we not get, because that's a neurological brain thing and the nerves in your nether regions, yeah. all of it working together. <laughs> yeah. Why do we get that for potty training and we don't get it for reading or true? spelling or yeah. math? Because you cannot force a child who is not That's wired right. to learn to read at five to do it. Yeah. And they're not learning disabled. That's right. They are just wired yeah. to learn to read later. And it used to be that that was okay. Yeah. Why isn't it now? Because kids are considered to be products on an assembly line in yeah. school. Look at plants, gardeners. <laughs> do they all grow? I mean, you can have the same plant yes. and every season, even if it comes back, it's at a different rate. Yeah. Right. But I mean... If every, does everybody's tulips come up on the same day? Right. Every Uh, single tulip? They don't. They don't do it. We don't chop them down and call them, you know, growing disabled. Yeah. This is a spicy conversation in general. (laughs) I'll just, I'll, I used that word earlier tonight and I'm going to use it again because this is uh, probably the hardest for me when we talk to parents and everything. It's just, it's so difficult because this is all a bunch of nonsense. Right. And, um, and so, it's, so it's I think ruining what, families and lives. I mean, it's what we're doing here is we're throwing out these cultural norms yeah. that people take for granted and sometimes throw into their homeschooling. And I think what we're wanting you to do is think about whether you really need to or not. Yeah. So you might be mad at some of the stuff we're saying yeah. here, you know, scheduling. We need a schedule. Well, you need a routine right. probably, but do you need a schedule? Yeah. And even when kids get held back, think about how bizarre this is. Okay. So you, there's this, and I'm, remember, I'm talking about the, the public school system, right. right? So a child gets held back because they're behind somebody else's schedule. Okay. But won't they always then be behind the system schedule yeah. if they got held back? So basically, when the third grader hasn't met all of these conditions to move forward because they haven't checked off A, B, C, they haven't done it according to the system's standard, nobody really knows who's behind that, right? Is right. I mean, is there, is there a human being that we can say, how did you come up with these numbers and times? And right. Once you hold that child back, well, then they're, they're going to be held back according to the standards. But that's what the system does, right? Right. Because it's all about tracking and sorting children because some children are going to be deemed not ever good enough. And there, that was the whole purpose of the public school system was to sort. And you're going to talk about that. I know. That's right. We will. Yeah. Let's talk. I'm going to, I'm going to read this. Okay. I'm just going to read what I have written here so I can hit the point. And then we're going to come back around. We're going to kind of just dismantle it. All right. Okay. So let's talk about the teacher. Who is the teacher? What is the teacher's job? Is the teacher qualified to teach every subject? Is the teacher required to know everything about a certain subject? Should the teacher prove mastery before being hired in all subjects? (laughs) What if the teacher doesn't know something about a subject? Shouldn't they continue until mastery? But what if the student doesn't show mastery in all areas of what the teacher is teaching? Is the teacher allowed to work one-on-one with the student until mastery happens? The answer is no. Nope. (laughs) Not in the public school system. Not in the public school system. There would be no time for it. Not Mm -hmm. when you have 20 kids, 30 kids. Mastery or not, that kid's going to go through the system. Yep. So that they can meet their schedules. Yep. And they'll be passed on and they'll be slotted into their grunt job, you know, loser, whatever. Right. Drop out, whatever. That's right. And always carry that stigma. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But why do we do that to human beings? That's right. Children. Yeah. And the bottom line is, here's a reality. Did you know that the teacher that goes to teaching school (laughs) probably doesn't know every single thing there is to know? Really? Hasn't really mastered all of it. Yet there they are teaching. And unfortunately, the students who then don't know everything get labeled because they can't possibly learn all of it. Right. It's not feasible underneath a schedule. No. Learning does not happen that way. The teacher has the teacher's manual. That's right. Right? They don't know everything. I went to teacher training. I know. (laughs) That's exactly right. You have to lean on the teacher's manual. Right. Right. And that's... So we put, a, I, I say this because we put, as a society, people put a lot, you know, they put teachers on this pedestal mm-hmm. of the all-knowing. And the, the problem with that is we, ha- we should be fellow learners and that's what should be modeled at all times. You're not above the student. Mm-hmm. If we want students to be joyful of learning, yeah. we all are on the equal learning ground and we model that to them. Right. We learn together. Right. Right. Well, and you know, we've talked about this before. We're not criticizing teachers. Absolutely not. It is. I That's was right. a teacher so for nine years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you were in so a private I. school. Yes. I was in a public school. Yes. Um, it's the system. The teachers are just as much victimized by the system. Not really just as much. They are victimized, but not as much as the children. But because yeah. we can leave. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I. I had my children and I left, but if I had just gotten fed up, I could have left. The children aren't allowed to leave. So there's a big difference there. Um, so it's not about individual teachers, but there are teachers who buy into the system. So yeah. then they become part of the problem. That's right. So, yeah. but it is the system that's set up to manipulate our culture. That's, that's really right. what it is. Yeah. Well, it, I think it just doesn't make sense. I mean, when I say, well, what is the teacher's job? Right. The teacher's job is to model learning. Yeah. And not to speak at anybody as all knowing, because the Mm -hmm. truth is there's no such thing as a teacher unless you have somebody who's willing to listen and learn. And if we're talking about high school students, nine times out of 10, you only might have a couple in your class. And so you can't call yourself a teacher because the person sitting there may not have wanted to learn anything and received anything that you had. And so to be a fellow learner, along with the child is, is what we're going for. That's why we bring but, our kids home. Right. right? But that's not part of the, they can't it's do not that what in the do. system because the teachers must teach to the test. They must have their students pass those tests or their school will get downgraded. And then the whole, it's the system again. So, yeah, exactly. And the expectations they have on children is to have mastery in all the subjects at all the time so that they can pass through. And my point is the teachers can't probably show mastery at no. all of those things as well. Right. So we ask, not we, because I don't participate in it, but you know, the system asks and teachers ask much more than they can even show. Right. Right. Let's talk about this. Why do the children Need to ask permission to go to the bathroom, Tina. How come? <laughs> to maintain order. To maintain order. I mean, what would happen if all the children were running around in the halls going to the bathroom all day long? Do the children need to ask permission to go to the bathroom at home if they have 20 children in the family? <laughs> well, no, because that's a homeschool family. <laughs> they don't have to ask permission. <laughs> so it all comes down to this. Should a senior in high school have to ask permission to go to the bathroom? I don't think so, but of course that's part of the system. 
Do we not trust the children to come back after using the bathroom? (laughs) Maybe not. So then I would say this. Whose job is it to teach the children to come back after using the bathroom? Let's say you you have a group of, uh, I don't know, juniors. And they have to, well, no, let's say seniors, 17, 18, they have to ask to go to the bathroom. And probably the reason they have to ask is so that they can be accounted for. Yep. The order, right? Right. And so, but then we say, well, but they're adults. Mm -hmm. Won't they just come back (laughs) to the classroom after going to the bathroom? The answer is probably not. Some don't. Some skip, right? Some are doing, well, we know. But if they were motivated to come back because there was something useful in the classroom, yeah, they would. Yeah. And so we could say to ourselves, well, whose job is it to teach the children to come back after using the bathroom? Whose job is that? Teachers will say it's parents' jobs. Parents will say it's teachers' jobs. If the people are not trustworthy to come back to the classroom after going to the bathroom, who's failed to teach obedience? The system? where they are held for eight hours a day for 12 years mm-hmm. or the parents who are separated from their children for eight hours a day for 12 years. So it, yeah, it's a tough one, right? So whose job is it to teach the obedience? Is it the school system's job to teach the obedience or is it the parent's job to teach the obedience? Well, you can't find an answer, right? Because the parents aren't with their children to teach obedience. Here's the reality, guys. The reality is we should never have a problem with a 17-year-old not coming back after using the bathroom, right? If they don't come back, there's a reason. There's a problem in the classroom or in the school, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what the system will do is try to blame the family or the child. Right. And, you know, well, the child probably has something wrong. They get put on medication. Something's not right. And this is a disobedient, you know, it's just, it goes in a circle and it's just never ending. And it's, and you think about the insanity of that, Mm -hmm. hopefully it leads you as a homeschooling family to say, I don't want to hold that up as my model in my home, that kind of system. When, when we see how insane it is, yeah, it's not something to emulate. You're there's a meme that I saw several years ago, and I'll try to find it again, because sometimes homeschooling parents, we say, you know, I'm the teacher, you know, and the dad's the principal, right? I used to do that because it was just kind of fun. And you could say, yeah, I'm kissing the principal, you know, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Um, But the meme says, remember, you're not a teacher. You are your child's mother. Mm -hmm. You are not a principal of a school. You are the father. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different system. We have all kinds of systems in our society. Yeah. And why in our homes and our families do we want to emulate the government school system? That's right. And I think that's the whole point. Letting yeah. go of that system, yeah. right? It, it is letting go. If we talk about, it's just ridiculous to think that a 17-year-old should have to raise their hand to go to the bathroom. I mean, they're, they're old enough to fight in a war. They're old yeah. enough to drive, right? They're old enough. But the reason why they have to raise their hand, the reason why is because there has to be some accountability. The system's broke. Mm-hmm. It's a broken system, but not really, right? We would say it's a broken system, but actually the system's working at its prime. Yeah, absolutely. It is doing exactly what it's meant to do. When I say it's a broken system, it's broken according to what what God would have for us, right? Which is teaching obedience to your children. That's the parent's job. And in order to do that, the children need to be at home with the parent. 
So we think kind of default, the job of the school system is to teach our children academics. What's the real goals of the system, Jenny? Because you had a list when you gave the seminar. I don't remember all the details, but there's a, like, we know the system was working really, really well. Oh yeah. Because it's about obedience. It's about compliance. Do you remember that? Uh, let me see here. Confusion is something the system teaches children. The second lesson is class position. There you go. Mm -hmm. The third lesson is indifference. The fourth lesson the school system teaches is emotional dependency. The fifth lesson the school system teaches your children is intellectual dependency. Mm -hmm. The sixth thing, the sixth lesson the school system teaches is provisional self-esteem. Mm -hmm. The seventh lesson the school system teaches your children is that one can't hide. Mm -hmm. Order yourself the book. It's called Dumbing Us Down. He goes into much deeper detail and it's just, it's bone chilling. And when, when he breaks down each of those things, you'll find out that this isn't just Tina and I sitting around bashing the school system because it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's terrifying. Yeah. And if you think back to your own education in the school system, if you went to a public school uh, that was godless, you could see, you know, think about it. I encourage you just to think back. And I'm sure that you had some good memories, but usually that's because of your friends. Right. right. That wasn't because of what, what they taught you and, and. You or know, the you, bells in the classes. It wasn't that. Right. Right. Exactly. You'll mm -hmm. see that there was a lot of categorizing and um, you, you don't, they only teach the student up to a certain level that this, that the student yes. can ever get. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. don't go beyond it to help you to figure out why. And when you're looking at the majority of children right now that are on medication, mm -hmm. that was never a thing. It really wasn't a thing. If you look back years and years and years ago that all of these kids are on medication when what they really need is to be understood, what they really need is to have the ability to get up and move around and be kids instead of just getting put on medication. It's developmentally inappropriate to ask a five, six, seven, eight-year-old girl or a boy to sit still for six yeah. to seven hours a day. They don't have ADHD. Mm -hmm. They are being a normal child. And most adults can't even sit still that long. Exactly. And you know what, hall again, kind of like you know? I said, as the teachers, if, if a teacher doesn't like in a school, she can quit, mm -hmm. right? The child has to stay there because it's against the law before he's 18 to leave. Yeah. Right. Um, same thing. You know, if, if we're working on a project at work or at home or whatever, and we've sat for two hours and we're done, we can get up and walk around and do whatever we want. But you do that in a classroom and they say that you need Ritalin. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No. And so because the school system is modeled on the Prussian military and factory assembly lines. And so they're trying to churn out products. That's what they're That's trying right. to do. And you can't deviate from that. Yeah. Which is that it's prime right now. There's no amount of marching. There's no amount of getting signatures from parents. You're, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. Right. It's a system that's been put in place long, long before you can probably even fathom. And it's working at its prime. The layers are just being peeled down to reveal this big ship that everybody's clinging to because it's all they know. Okay. If you were on the Titanic, even though it was sinking, your natural reaction would be to hold on to it. Yeah. The natural reaction is not to let go of that big ship because you would have to, you know, 
you might go down, but we're here to tell you that you're not going to go down. It's an illusion. Well, think about this. We go back to the Titanic. Obviously much life was lost there, right? Every single person who clung to the ship died. Yeah, exactly. The only chance of survival was to let Mm -hmm. go. And looking at the world the way it is today. Yeah. I mean, you can't undo everything the system is teaching your children. Mm -mm. When they're away from you for eight hours a day, the only time they get with you is right before bedtime mm-hmm. because, you know, every, everything else is books, sports, and all the extracurriculars and homework and all these things. How much time do you have to teach them truth, to teach them the values as a family of what you have? You don't have much time to do that. In fact, I would say you have no time because you're going to be busy trying to unteach them Everything they've been taught. And I can tell you, it's not possible. You don't even know what they were taught. No, you don't even know. So you're trying. Mm -hmm. And it's not successful. No. And so they're being, you know, because it's not just what's even being said. It's not just the tangible. It's the non-tangible. It's being in that environment. They're not getting modeled from even adults. They're sitting with other kids their same age who also equally don't know anything. Right. Who are equally just as um, like a, like a sponge to soak in not truth and everything else. And it, the teachers who might share your values, because there are some there yeah. are there are Christians teaching in public schools who see that as their mission field. And God yes. bless them, you know. Um, however, they are not allowed to speak freely. That's right. The people who spout ungodly values are allowed to have a, a, a platform. Mm-hmm. And let's say that again, just for the record, we're not against teachers. We were teachers. Tino is a public school teacher. I taught in a private school. Here's the reality. It's not the people. I mean, obviously you can get some bad eggs in there, but it's the system we're talking about. And when you're letting go, like Tina said, when you're letting go of the system, you're saving your children's lives. You're saving their minds. You get to choose. These children are being indoctrinated with falsities, but you can also indoctrinate with truth. Mm -hmm. And so when you have your children home with you, remember you wanted to be a parent. Mm. What did that look like for you? Did you envision being away from your children continually all the time, eight hours a day for 12 years? Is that what it means to be a parent? Mm-hmm. that's not what a parent is. I'm sorry to say, but I think God expects more. The truth has to be taught. And the only way to teach truth is to be with your children, modeling truth and going after it. You know, we can always go back to teach them when they rise up in the morning Yep. before they go to bed at night, when you're walking down the way. Deuteronomy six. Right. And it's, it's hard to do that. When you're apart from your children all day. And let's talk about when that first little time comes when you have to send them to, well, it used to be kindergarten, now it's preschool, but when you have to send them to preschool, right? And what happens to all the moms? They cry. That's a natural reaction. You should cry. Yeah, you should cry because right now what's happening is, and you know why you, right? We all know why. Why are we crying? Crying because we're sending our children off to complete strangers for eight hours a day. Unless you know somebody's values and you know their core, you know their beliefs through and through. Unless you can say that you know that person, they're a stranger to you. Everybody can put a smile on their face. Everybody can do that. That's not enough with your precious children. It's not enough. And as a parent, we're called to excellence. Mm -hmm. Not that we can be excellent, but the truth is excellent. 
And that's what we need to do. And I'll tell you what, when we uh, began the homeschool loft, I think we had, wouldn't you say this, Tina, we had kind of, you know, just this, you know, we would love to sit around and talk about all the glitz and the glam of homeschooling (laughs) because it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And we Mm -hmm. homeschooled before Mm -hmm. there was this uh, crisis in the world, right? We homeschooled long before any of this happened. We would love for nothing better than than to just continually fill our days talking about just how wonderful homeschooled and we do, and we mm-hmm. do do that. But, you know, we, we have a lot of parents who are coming from the school system, right? And they're hurting. They recognize they've been duped and it's really hard to sit down and have to say, actually, you're, yes, you're right. You have been duped. The whole thing has been a lie. And, um, then they feel horrible because their child was in there for three, five, eight yes, years. Yes. And, you know, I, I don't even know if I said it at the seminar, but I mean, you can only, you have to move forward. You have to forgive yourself. You only can do what you know at the time. But That's when right. you become aware that the system is toxic, you need to do something about it. Exactly. Because then you have responsibility for it. Yep. You know, you didn't know before. We all just kind of mm-hmm. go along because that's what happens in, in our society. But when you wake up, you have to get up and act. Yes. And you have to, um, you know, talk about guarding your heart. Mm. You have to be the guard. And there's no better time than right now. Mm. It's not too late. It's right now. When the truth has been revealed to you, it's perfect timing. So you don't ever have to carry shame or guilt or anything. Because guess what? I went to the public school system. <laughs> and here's the reality. You know, the, the Lord is sovereign and he is just and he has a path. He loves us and puts us onto that path. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But um, we just have to see where we are today. And if we want the system to fall, we have to let go. We can't hold on to it. The only way to fix the system is to get far away from it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a part of it. It's not your job to fix it. It's never going to happen. You never will. It's not fixable. It's working at its prime. Right. And if you feel, I agree with you, but I actually, I'm in a group on Facebook that there's a lot of people saying, we are, we're going to fix the system, right? Um, it's a group of conservative teachers who are in the schools. Okay. And I feel bad for them because they honestly think they can, yeah. right? So they want to try and there's parents in that group and they want to try. But what I would say is don't leave your children in there while you do it, because if it is fixable, it's not going to happen in your lifetime. That's right. It's not going to happen in your child's 12 or 13 years of of school age childhood. So this is going to sound really harsh, but it's also a good analogy. I think Um, it's not my job to light my child on fire to maybe keep another child warm. That's right. Okay. so if you feel like you want to try to reform the system, go for it, but take your child out of it. Don't subject because you're going to, you're going to ruin your child if you leave them in. And quite frankly, if, you know, here's another thing, teachers get together, conservative teachers get together, teach truth, Mm -hmm. you know, start that, do that. And don't keep your child in while you're fighting. That's right. Exactly. It's just, yeah, these things aren't fun to talk about. It's not the best conversation to be had on a, what day is it today? Well, it's a Monday, but whenever they're going to listen to yeah, it, we don't know. It's Monday over here, but I'll tell you what, uh, it is, it is what it is and it's evil. It's not good. And how do we know it's evil and it's not good? Because there's no God. That's how we know. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was founded by atheists yep. and statists. And I mean, it was founded on those values. It yeah. is what it is. It is what it is. 
But the beautiful thing is we had a desire to be parents, didn't we? We had a desire to be parents. And so we take that and we see it's a gift and we speak that gift into our children continually. That was one thing always we do at our house, even driving by our house. I remember saying to the kids all the time, we are blessed. Look at this. Look at the house. And it just never tells you guys, but I mean, <laughs> just we speak, we get to speak these truths. We get to point out the blessings. We get to point out all the good mm-hmm. things that, that we're blessed with and being able to be with your children all day learning with them side by side, researching things together. Oh, it is. I don't even know how to compare it. It's like winning the lottery a thousand billion times over and over and over. And so that is a privilege and nobody has to hold on to the system. You don't have to do that. We do it because we don't know any different. We hold on to the system, but we don't have to do that. So I am delighted that you've listened so far. I hope that you do not ever forget this privilege that you have to spend with your family all day, every day. Yeah, I know it can get a little bit tedious. Sometimes there can be little family squabbles, but that's not homeschooling. That's just life. The truth of the matter is I could not tell you how many blessings that you would never have been able to witness had it not been for living life and doing life with your kiddos the way God would have it to be. I hope that you know that you're always the best model of learning for your kids. You always were. They're your children. And you always will be, even when you fail. Even when you fail, what is the lesson? You get to sit down with them and you get to talk about how to get back up again. Amen. That is a blessing, isn't it? Amen. Mm -hmm. So with that, friends, I am just absolutely delighted to be a part of your world. And thank you so much for tuning in today to our podcast. We're blessed by you. 